So uh, my first question is, um, how did this project uh, come to, why did you choose this project and how did it come to uh, its entire fruition? Yeah, uh, I suppose it was always, uh, Keith, who is the writer-director, uh, who's my other son, Right. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a, a history grad. Oh, okay. Uh, he's a history buff anyway. So um, we were throwing different ideas around. And uh, we said, well, you know what, whilst it may be kind of quite a number of years out, mm -hmm. maybe we should think about whether we can come up with something that's uh, a little different. Um, you know, with the Collins film was out at the time. Um, and we wanted to come up with something that was kind of, would engage people, that was kind of close up and personal, uh, and that told the story from the, the bottom up rather than the top down. Oh, okay. So that was the, the, the rationale behind it. You know that we wanted to tell it from the point of the ordinary, the ordinary person. And uh, what was the, the like the the benefit of, of filming it with both uh, as a documentary and as like an actual like action film? What did what did that serve to? How did that help with the the filming process? How did uh, to, as a viewer watching it, like and trying to put myself outside the fact that I worked on it, I think it makes it more interesting. For say, like we we sometimes screen it to schools and things like that and it's a way of getting in there showing the history and telling the history but also being engaging and it being a you know I, I, we've had kids that have been watching it and they all seem to really enjoy it I think sometimes if you try to be too heavy on the history or have too many talking heads it can kind of weigh down the project mm -hmm. and your, your, your message isn't getting across and then I think it's kind of essential for the Easter Rising to be shown like that because it you know, it was an up close and personal guerrilla war, really, um, in the centre of uh, of a city, and that was kind of different for the time. You know, the, even the British soldiers were being trained to fight in trenches, and they weren't mm -hmm. used to this kind of up close and personal in fighting. the streets, the in wide the streets. open streets. Exactly. I mean, we're also used to it now. You know, it could be Egypt or Ukraine, anywhere the, right. that's quite normal now. But back then, it was something different. You know, yeah. so I, I think it was important to show that aspect of it too. Right, and in a way, it's kind of like a, a lead into what World War II ended up being, which is everyone yeah. fighting in the streets and everything else. So sure. if, if people look at it in the terms of, well, this is what's going on during World War One, it's so weird. But mm. then they think, if you, if you like, stop and think, like, oh, well, they actually got training for World War Two in a way when they were doing this. You know? Yeah, it's sure, just a sure. Random, you know, side notice, you know, because they all fought in the streets in, in Russia and Germany mm -hmm. and everywhere. Mm -hmm. I think to a large extent it was the first, well, it was certainly the first time that the British uh, were engaged in a, in a guerrilla urban, war, or, urban warfare. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, coming back to the earlier question you had, uh, we felt, and part of the reason why we took this approach was we felt that the audience itself could identify with what it must be like to be slightly right. claustrophobic, to be that close, because I think a lot of people think of of fighting or warfare as being distant, and even more so now when you can do it with drones. Mm -hmm. But you know, this is this is how it was. It also affected all of, you know some of those people that we've talked to, relatives. You know, will say they're they're the, the, these people. You know, their fathers or grandfathers or whatever were were deeply affected. Yeah, uh, uh, personally for me, I had relatives. I had ancestors who were both involved in the IRA and were witnesses to yeah. what the IRA mm. did during mm. uh, during mm. after. Well after during the uh, the yeah, actual the revolution and yeah. then the uh, civil war and sure, sure. right up to the end of everything with the free state, so sure. mm, it's yeah. a whole whole bunch of stuff going on yeah. on every every family had everybody on every side. So it is, in my opinion, a very smart way of doing it, yeah. particularly when you have the family get uh, assassinated. Yeah. I think that's mm, just one mm. way that it really it really hits 
the viewer yeah. that like my God, ordinary people who God sa- Irish people saying God save the king and they're getting their families killed. Mm, yeah. That's something really you know strange and sure, sure. Scary. I mean the, the people that got killed, they were loyalists. You yeah. know, they were for king and country. Um, so f- what happened to them was even more of a travesty because you know they were supporting the British soldiers right. and they, they they didn't really like the fact that the volunteers were coming in. Outside their house, taking you know, over, taking a warrior, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, was there any part of this project for either of you that either you st- had to like stop and think, "Whoa, this is like really this like in- incredibly like an emotional experience," or that you felt it was like overwhelming because you know it is the Easter Rising? So, did you ever feel like overwhelmed by the the gravity of the project or like emotionally? I felt overwhelmed by trying to do this on a ridiculously low budget. That's what I really felt overwhelmed by, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. That was overwhelming. Um, what, it's an interesting question because mm. I think both of us, as we were shooting, felt that it was different. Now, we've both been involved, and you've been involved in a lot of films, uh, a lot of drama, uh, and I've done a lot of documentary, but... Uh, this kind of felt different, kind of felt a little bit special. So in that sense, there was a kind of an emotional connection with it. Plus, uh, if you take the character that Colin played, which is kind of ironic, you know, when this came up uh, originally, when Keith came across these Sholdice brothers, I said, I know, I know Frank Sholdice. And he said, ah, come on, you know. I said, no, I know Frank Sholdice. I said, he lives at, my brother and sister live in the street. And Frank Sholdice lived at the top of that street. And when I was a kid in the uh, late 60s or the late 50s into the 60s, I used to see this man cycling down. I used to rob his orchard. He had a great (laughs) orchard. So I used to rob his apples. And his son is still there, uh, whom we also interviewed but didn't feature. Um, So that is is a connection. The other thing was one of the uh, doctors who were on Mount Street, Bridge mm-hmm. trained my mother. My mother was a nurse in that hospital in the, wow. in the 30s. So she trained as a nurse in the 30s. And uh, one of those young doctors ended up as a consultant uh, there. So sometimes, you know, it's such a small place, Dublin and Ireland, yeah. really, mm-hmm. you know, it's those kind of connections. But yeah. I mean, for me, it, 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 there's definitely an emotional involvement uh, or connection because I'm, you know, I'm a proud Irish man and I right. uh, like. Uh, I'm a Republican with a small R, so, you know, I like, uh, th- 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 it had a connection with me, but to be perfectly honest, when you're actually trying to make the film, all that goes out the window, because, <laughs> you know, there's so many other issues that are arising all the time, right? Um, and you just want to make sure that what you're filming is as good as it can be, so you kind of, not that you forget about the history you're at and of it, but there's so much else going on in terms of production that, you know, you can put that to the side, and it's only kind of now when we're going around doing screenings that, you know, it you, you, you get a chance to think about it more when yeah. you're actually filming it and it's because of the budget budgetary limitations mm-hmm. you know you don't really have time to think about that and you, you're worrying about other things you know right what was it like to play an actual historical figure involved with the Easter Rising um, it, and a sniper at that too yeah I mean <laughs> number one it's really cool for a, uh, like a guy to get to play with guns <laughs> especially in Ireland now it's a different kind of gun culture so I've, I, it's not the first time I've done it, you know. I have played historical figures. I played another guy, and whose name escapes me now. In 
Sorry? Was it Walsh? Maybe the second name, but there's yeah. probably a lot of Walshes. But, I mean, um, I played a guy before in the Irish Brigade, the American Civil War, so it's not the first time I've done it. But, but there is a kind of... You do feel a bit different because you know that this is a real person, a real character, and what they went through. And when you're looking down the barrel of the gun... You, you know that these people actually had to do it for real. I'm just playing around with it, you know. Right. I'm just trying to do them justice, but they had to do it for real. So it, 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 does, it does kind of resonate with you in, in that sense. Right, and in, uh, as you said, you know, you did this with the, uh, the American Civil War, but what was it like to do it for the Irish Rising, like what started the quote-unquote Irish Revolution that led to the Free State and eventually the Republic that we yeah, have today? Yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of proud. proud to, I was proud to be able to do that, you know, and I was... I was really happy to be able to I was involved in the crew mostly but I was really happy to be able to given to be given a chance to, to, to play one of these heroes of the Irish Revolution you know one of the lesser known heroes it, it, exactly yeah oh definitely yeah. and that, that that means it resonates with me even more you know than if it, if it had been playing one of the seven you know signatories or one of them and then because of the connection with this guy you know, living at the top of my father's road when right. when, when he he grew up, it, you know that made it even more poignant for me. You know, and I've I've subsequently met his son, and uh, and um, that that you know it, it, it's a big deal. It was funny, you know, when we did the premiere in 2013 at the Jemison Dublin International Film Festival, a lot of their family was there, and it was it was a. It was funny because, you know, you're saying, I'm talking to this guy who's in his 80s and I'm saying, oh, how's it going, son? You know, like, you know, putting my arm around him. And then it's a bit of a joke, but then there is this real personal thing right. with the family and the, and the kind of a connection there as well. All right, uh, one last question before, because I know we got to get up to the reception. Um, they, they did mention during the Q&A the, the, the post office not being completely featured. And I think, personally, I think it's really smart. Because, like they, like they said, we all know what happened with the post office because it was, you know, wherever, like, the, it was the main fighting ground and all these minor ones. How did you, but how did you pick these two specific minor ones compared to everything? Because at the beginning, you showed the map of everything that was yeah. taken. So why did you pick those the, two the, specific? These actually weren't, uh, these were the two most ferocious battles, the, one, the battles where the greatest number of casualties occurred. Mm -hmm. So, the actual number of casualties in in the GPO wouldn't doesn't come close to either of those two locations. Mm -hmm. Not even close. Not I even definitely close. wouldn't call them minor. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. were the two major battles and yeah. the two most successful from yeah. an Irish point of from view. From a military point of view as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the GPO, like I was saying in the Q&A, <coughs> it, it, the reason it's considered the major one is because the leaders were there. It was right. GHQ. You know, but, but like in wars today, the HQ is not where the action's going on, right. you know. Try so, to keep it away from uh, them as much as possible. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and then, look, there's loads of other places around the city that don't get a look in, and we're trying to redress that with our with our living history project that's grown out of this. Right. So, you know, on 1916film.com, we have a, a, a series of stories that we're, we're starting to feature, and we hope to do, you know, to really put more meat on the bones of what happened in 1916, because at the moment, people, even at home in Ireland, don't really get it. There was a lot of different places going on, a lot of different fighting. I mean, if you go down... Near on the South Keys, near Kilmainham, there's a place called, it's not there anymore, more called the Mendicity Institute. And that was, there was a huge amount of heavy fighting going on there 
at the very start of the week, you know. And mm-hmm. it's only really towards the end of the week that the GPO starts getting hit really badly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, 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 I, I wouldn't say there's any real minor locations. It, Stephen's Green, again, huge right. amount of fighting going on there. So it's, it, it's just because the si- signatories were in the GPO um, right. that, that it gets that kind of right. recognition, I guess. I'm really sorry. I forgot one more thing that yeah, I meant yeah, to have no you. Uh, could you just talk a little bit about the uh, Living History Project and what sure. you guys are doing? Uh, well... Colin actually leads that project, and he's okay. put the whole website together, the Facebook, he's doing all, all of that. He's writing most of the stuff, so maybe he's the best sure. man to um, Absolutely. Well, I guess, you know, originally, when we before we aired on Irish television, uh, I was kind of thinking of ways that maybe we could generate a bit more of a buzz, a bit more publicity, give little snapshot videos to people. So the idea originally was actually to focus on people that we've already seen in the film, uh, you know, Ned Daly or the Showlice Brothers and kind of give more of their story, not just in that week, because if it, you're just looking at someone one week in someone's life, it's it's uh, very one-dimensional. So we started talking about it, um, and then when it actually did air on television, we started getting all these emails coming into us saying, oh, you know, my brother or my... Uh, not brother, sorry, my... Uh, um, uh, grandfather or in some cases my father um, or mother was in this place or that place and um, we you know we want you to hear our story you know um, funnily enough actually the first one was a complaint because one of the places we do feature Clan William House there was four people get out of that alive mm. you know there's only really eight or nine there anyway who right. were holding off a couple of thousand British soldiers but four people get out and two of them were brothers called um Tom and Jim Walsh, and um, you know, it, it, we mentioned Tom Walsh because he, his name is mentioned in one of the statements that we use. Mm-hmm. He's, t- you know, James Doyle, and that we feature. You know, you don't have a whole lot of time to give everyone a voice in a ninety-minute movie, so we picked James Doyle to tell their story. Yeah. And in his statement, he says, you know, George Reynolds was lying on a pool of blood. Tom Walsh was lying beside him. Mm-hmm. So the. And, so we the family that watch was dead, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and 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 we said, okay, yeah, we can see why that w- you you might think that, but this is coming directly from this man's statement, and the reason we left it in was because it kind of shows the chaos that was going on right. in Clan William House. The, the it was on fire, you know, and they needed to try and get out. So the family got in contact and said, you know, plus these two guys were were paramount to this to to, to what happened in Clan William House. Mm-hmm. Um and we said, okay, well, you know, look, we'd love to meet up with you and hear your story and hear more about these two men. So we went up to Belfast and we had a lovely meeting with the with the family and we met some of their the, the other family down in Dublin. And that's kind of where the Living History project started and then more and more people started to get in contact with us and we realized that these are important stories that need to be told. Everyone knows about the GPO, the leaders, and all that kind of stuff. No one really knows about these ordinary soldiers, the ordinary Irish and British and the civilians, and and we feel it's very important that people do know about their stories. So so effectively we've created a a portal, an online portal, where people's stories can be told, and it's going to be a multimedia type, so we're going to use narration, we're going to use voice, and we're going to use video, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's that's it. Sounds uh, wonderful. Yeah, well, it's great. Check it out on 1916film.com. Okay, I'll be sure to check that out. Thank you very much, Colin. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.